<laughs> All right, good evening, everybody. Let me know if it's on. We are on. Okay, great. So, uh, turning your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we will pick up there. I will not do this justice as Brother John was ready to help, but he said he had some pain in his side. So I don't know if that's what, but he, he just cannot make it. So definitely uh, keep him in your prayers. And he said he'd keep us uh, updated on what it is. But he's been studying First uh, Thessalonians 5, and what a great book. Uh, what a great lesson that uh, Paul brings to us uh, here in December 2023. He's uh, went through the first 10 verses, is what he said. And uh, he was talking about walking in the light. Walking in the light. And we know that, that phrase, we know that term, and there's many days that we aren't walking in the light. And so that's why Paul brought that to us. But as we go into these next verses tonight, uh, Paul is going to basically, if you read verses uh, number 11, you basically see that, all right, we're walking in the light but now First uh, Thessalonians 5.11 says, therefore, and we know what those words mean when it's therefore, you're walking in the light now, therefore, everything I've said before, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. And over the next few days, uh, we're going to encourage each other with some presents or our gifts or whatever it is. But there's going to be some people who are going to be like, eh, I didn't want that present. Or I didn't want that, you know, I wouldn't have encouraged. And uh, in our society, we've got very used to uh, getting things. But, you know, over the next few days, stop and read what this says. We need to comfort and edify one another or encourage one another. And when we say that, uh, a lot of times you take on the person's weight, don't you? You take on a lot of their things. You want to encourage them, but you also want to help them. Our human nature is to try to help them. And Paul is saying, it's okay, but encourage one another and comfort uh, one another. And some of us take comfort as a nap. Yeah, I'm just going to go take a nap. Uh, he is, in this scriptures are talking through, therefore, walking in the light, now show me how you do that. That's what Paul's uh, doing in this is, Walking in the light, therefore, show me. And comfort, encourage, and edify, edify. What kind of word is that, a noun or a verb? It's a verb, right? It has what? Action. And we don't need to wait on someone uh, to say, hey, I need to be comforted. I need to encourage. It's a verb. It's supposed to be that we are doing that. And we do get lazy at times. Uh, and so as we go into these next uh, few verses of 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, let's look at those in the first uh, 12 and 13, the first few verses that you have in this. And in, in your Bibles, you might have a heading called Final Instructions and Benediction. In your Bible, it might have a heading there. This is kind of Paul uh, wrapping up this part of the lesson. But he goes on to say, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their works. 
or because of their work. So Paul is here saying, I talked to you about walking in light. 1 Thessalonians 1 through 4 has been some other things. He's going to close it up and say, show me how you do this. And the first thing he's saying is our duty to those who serve. Who's some people that serve in the Lord's church? Elders, deacons, teachers, who else? All the Christians, yeah, we do. Uh, we do serve each other. Uh, we have the ministers. Uh, we've got a, a great uh, a staff here that serves, and we have care group leaders. You know, we've got a lot of people that serve, uh, and it doesn't have to have a title, does it? But Paul's actually, you know, really saying, pay duty to those who serve. Do the elders and deacons and teachers, do we get paid? There's no money we get a check for, do we? Uh, now, the ministers are compensated, some of the office staff are, but most of us are what? Volunteers, doing this because of our love for God. And so what Paul is trying to say is give duty to those who serve. And serving sometimes is lonely, isn't it? Sometimes it's lonely. Have you ever heard the saying, it's lonely at the top? Because those decisions have got to be made. A teacher has to make a decision, an elder or a deacon or whatever. Sometimes it's lonely because what happens when a decision needs to be made? Where, does, where do a lot of the people go? They disappear or they give you their advice and walk away, right? Now, you get to make the decision. And if it goes right, oh, I'm glad I helped you uh, think about that decision. If it goes wrong, they'll say, well, I told you you should have done this. In, in, in general statements here, right? But he's saying, um, give duty to those that are in need. If you see there, recognize them uh, who labor among you, is what the uh, verse says, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. What does admonish mean? Admonish. Corrects. It does what? I think I heard it. Say it louder. Nobody wants to say it now. <laughs> Admonish. We don't use that a lot, do we, in our daily uh, discussions? How many is the last time you used the word admonish? And if we said it, you'd be like, what does that mean? Right? Uh, and admonish is, you know, basically the Lord and admonish you in, in, in helping uh, with you. As a teacher, Mr. John, I know he moves around in different things. He's been admonishing you. He's been helping you learn Thessalonians uh, even more. And, um, you know, that's what he's talking about here. And then in verse 13, uh, the, your next one there is to esteem them or as we see here, very highly in love and for the uh, work's sake. And so if we didn't have people working in the church, what would be happening right now, uh, today, if, if people weren't working in the church? Nothing. You know, we wouldn't have anything going on. We'd all be what? Well, I thought you were still going to do that. This, we, you know, people are working in uh, the body, we've read all about that. The hands, the feet, the arms, the legs, we all have different uh, duties. 
And so here he's saying that, you know, for their works, esteem, uh, admonish them or esteem them. Uh, them very highly in love because of their work. And then the last one here that he says in verse 13 is to be at peace among yourselves. Why is that so important in these verses right here? He's been talking about walking the light, therefore edify and encourage one another. Why does he add the word peace among yourselves here? Gene and I served as elders, and, you know, they would say, they would ask a thing, we, a lot of times we say, just behave, you know, <laughs> because there's a lot of things that go on, and um, when things don't go your way, what do you want to do? You want to put your way into it and say, well, we need to be doing it this way. And, you know, I use this phrase a lot. My dad used to, I used to point like this, and he would always say, how many fingers are pointing back at you, Todd? And, of course, I would say three. And what, what was he doing? He was like, look at yourself first. The next time he said something like that, I did this. Okay, did that, did that really solve anything? That got me in a lot more trouble. And I learned that. But, you know, the problems. I was trying to say it's you. Yes, sir, Kurt. That's right. And for those online, Kurt's basically saying that, you know, the, the letters of the New Testament were written to say, you know, there's going to be trouble with this, how you need to handle it. And you've made a decision to be a Christian and now work together. Because guess who's going to be busy at trying to break you apart? Satan, the culture, society. What's happening today in December, whatever the date, the 20th? What's Satan trying to do to the church? Break it apart. Society's trying to say, well, you don't need it in things. Paul is addressing these epistles. You're right. Uh, uh, many of these epistles to uh, a lot of them are Gentile Christians that didn't grow up studying the Torah or studying the, the law. Uh, they followed and became a Christian because Jesus was their Messiah, their, their Savior. And where Jews were like, no, you have to follow the, the law. You have to follow the Torah. You have to be circumcised, and then you can there was inner uh, going at each other. If Christ had not come, would I know any of you in this room? Most likely not. But it's because Christ, I get to know you. But guess what we bring with us? All of our culture, all of our family things, and all of our opinions. And when, then we try to merge together. Uh, and we do have struggles. Uh, in a couple of days, you'll probably have a lot of people at your house or you're going to someone else's house. Will everybody have an opinion how the ham needs to be served or when we do uh, eating or when we have presents or when we do this? Yes. 
uh, at Thanksgiving, I had uh, 15 at my house. And how many opinions did we have of when we should eat and where we should put things? I had 17, I think, because there was some we didn't know about that showed up, you know. And my bird, I have a bird at the house. He, he was wanting his portion of the food, and he wasn't letting anybody. But anyway, what happens? We all have our opinions, and that's what Paul is addressing. When Paul went to these um, uh, cities, Thessalonica and others, he had to cut into the culture. He had to cut into uh, those things that were challenging uh, the people to come together. And uh, it's beautiful when you really look at it. He's saying, be at peace. Be at peace. Take the load off some of the elders, some of the deacons, you know, some of the teachers, some of the uh, ministers or others, care groups. Do your part. And a lot of us, uh, we want to, uh, if you're a hand, sometimes you want to be the foot. You know, if you're the foot, you want to be the hand. We don't have the talents to do some of those things, but we want to. And I know as a kid, when I was growing up, I wanted to be like the other people. And I went out and tried out for some sports, and I didn't do good. But in my mind, what was I saying? Oh, I can do this. I want to be like that. And then I learned over time. But Paul is saying, be at peace. And right now, there's songs that the world is singing is what? The world be at what? At peace. All these, some of these songs that are, you know, they're on the radio or whatever are being sung is be at peace. And, um, you know, I grew up where if you have a Coca-Cola and a smile, the world's, I don't know, I forget the phrase, but it was everybody come together, have a Coke and be at peace. Uh, I can still remember that. But that's what he's saying here as he goes into his final instruction is show me how to do this. Show me how you're walking in the light. Our duty is to honor those who serve and recognize them, esteem them, and be at peace. And when things are at peace, we're happy. Uh, what causes things to go out of a peaceful stage? What? Satan. Satan. Yep. Sin. Selfishness. That's what it boils down to is selfishness. And as I've been an elder, that's the thing that I've had to you know, work through. Why did that person do that? Or why did Todd do that? It's selfishness. Self gets in the way, and then you tell God, you're not important, and I'm going to handle this. And then things start happening. Uh, and we know uh, on the Sea of Galilee, you know, that water was nice and calm, and then all of a sudden it was unpeaceful. And what did Jesus, after he woke, was woken in the boat, he stood up and said what? Be at peace. And then everything stopped. And that's what we're after. And so that's what Paul in these two verses are saying. It said, you know, show me how you're doing this. First of all, respect those who are serving. And uh, Paul um, was not an elder, but he helped install elders. He knew the importance of those roles in the, in the, in the different churches. All right, let's keep going. Uh, in verse 14, uh, he says, okay, now that you have uh, respected those who have served, our duty is to those in need. So show me that you are walking in the light, Christians of Thessalonica, Christians of Beaufort, Georgia. Show me that you're walking in the light. I urge, we urge you brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, 
and be patient with them all. Okay, first is those in need, warn those that are unruly. How easy is that to do? How many of us like to do that? Okay, I didn't see any hands raised. Why not? Because we want to be at peace, and so, you know, but why is it important to help those that are in need? Those that are falling away, you want to let them know. You need to, you know, get back on the track and take this wonderful gift that we have of salvation and don't lose it and help them along. There's two different types of people in the world, really. There's peacemakers and peacekeepers. What do you think the difference is between a peacekeeper and a peacemaker? Hmm. Peacekeeper will allow things just to, let's just let that settle. Let's just let time go. Let's let it just kind of fix itself. When you got unruly or things aren't going well, does it fix itself? No. Peacekeepers are important. Don't get me wrong, okay? Because when there's escalation, there's, there's arguments, what are peacekeepers sometimes? Okay, folks, let's just, you know, let's just calm down. A peacemaker will go head on and try to make peace, get the peace. Which one's easier to do? The peacekeeper. It's easier just kind of, let's just let things go and whatever. Was Paul a peacemaker or a peacekeeper? He's a peacemaker. What do we need to be as Christians? Peacemakers. And we need to keep the peace, right? But we need to be peacemakers. And what that means, we've got to help those that struggle. All of us are going to trip and what? Fall. Some issue is going to cause, we need to be peacemakers. And the peacekeepers are very important people. Don't get me wrong, but the peacemaker is what we've got to do. If we just let things go... Oh, we'll just cover that tomorrow. Or we'll just do that later. What happens? It, it festers. It turns. Opinions. The idle mind then starts doing what? Filling in things. That's what Paul's talking about here. Yes. The unselfish. That's right. Yes. And I, it's not something you want to, and you know, some people say, well, what are you in my business? There's a right time and a wrong time to do it. We know that, right? But peacemakers, yes, Kurt. Right. That's 
That's right. And persecution is guaranteed, isn't it? As a Christian, if you're not being persecuted, then what? You might think you need to think about it. And it's not that we need to go out and find the unruly and say, okay, there you are. But if we don't work it, then what happens is it can become cancerous. It can become destructive. And so you've got to work on that. And, uh, you know, me being an elder for many years now, you know, I've had to, to think through, okay, how do I act like Jesus to help make peace? And he did it in love, right? He could read people's hearts. I can't. But how do I work that and, and follow his lead on that? How many of us would have fired the disciples about two months in? You know, we're like, okay, I wanted some new people. These guys are out of whack. How, many, how long did he spend with them? Three years. Uh, how many would have let Peter go off the payroll quickly, you know? Or he would have been uh, ousted by the other side because, man, you're getting us in trouble all the time, Peter. You know, you know, and so here, but what Paul is saying is our duty is those that are in need. And one of them is the folks that are falling away. How many of us in here would love to have someone come and tell you, you need to straighten things up? We really want it, don't we? But do we like it? No. Because it's like, well, who? But we really want someone to come and help correct us. And keep us on straight, and, and especially when it comes to the Word of God. And so that's what he's talking about here. And then uh, the idol, and, and, and admonish the idol. Be careful, because what does the idol mind do? The devil gets in there and does what? Just takes over, delusion. Uh, he gets in there and confuses it. He does different things. The next thing you know, you don't have the facts, but you're reacting on your emotions. And that's what he wants. And Paul's seen that, and that's why he's addressing these. He's saying these, we could read these scriptures that are here in the last part of Thessalonians in about 45 seconds. But there's 45 minutes plus of you know, information that's in here. And, and as he goes, encourage the faint-hearted. That's the next uh, one that we have, the faint-hearted. How many of us have guilt in our life? All of us do. When you sin, what happens is that guilt of Something in your past has, has keep pulling you like a weight. Something has caused you, and you have guilt. You know, I'm not worthy to be a Christian. I'm not worthy to be sa uh, saved. I'm still, uh, man, that past thing. We have guilt. We know that we can go to God and ask for forgiveness, and what does he do with it with a, with a repentant heart? Makes it as white as this piece of paper, gone. What do we do to it? Sometimes we hold on to it and put it in our pocket. Here, let me handle that, God. I'll take care of that one. That, that's that guilt that we're not good enough, that we can't do that. And then what do we do? Then we're like, get this thing away. Why am I here? That's the faint-hearted. And how many of you have been faint-hearted in here? <laughs> Anytime you sin, you're telling God, you're not worthy. Todd is worthy. I got this. And so he's wanting you to get the faint-hearted. When things happen in life, what do you do? You start doubting. Why did that happen to me? Why did this happen to my family? Why, why, why? You're wanting to put your finger and say it's on somebody. It's the faint-hearted. Then you start saying, well, church is not really worthy of it. I don't need to go to church or what, you know, things start happening. The faint-hearted. He's saying, help, show me that you're walking in light by helping those that are faint-hearted. One day, guess who's going to need it? You're going to need it. And you hope that a brother or sister will come and say, 
let me walk beside you here. Let me get you back on your feet. You know, and that's what he's talking about here is encourage the faint-hearting. Help the weak. Uh-oh, I hit the laser. I hope I didn't hit anybody in the eye there. Uh, uphold uh, or help the weak. And how many of us are weak in our faith? All of us at times. How many are fully mature in their faith? You figured it out. Nope. You're weak in the faith because you're holding on to something that you're letting it get in the way of you and God. And that's what he's talking about here is help the weak and then ultimately be patient towards everybody. On the way over, it's only four miles from my house. I had three people pull in front of me. One stopped for no reason, and I was teaching. John uh, uh, Iverson called me and said, I need you to teach. So what's on my mind? i got to get there. i got to get there. And not that the people were doing it in reason, but what, what, I, what did I want to do to those folks? You know, if I had a bulldozer, I was like, let me just move everybody over. But towards all men, we need to be what? Patient. How many like the word patient? Okay, we had one or two. Good for y'all. I'm going to come to y'all later and figure out how you do it. Uh, because patience is a virtue, is it not? It's one of the virtues that Peter says, add to your faith, and that's first, then patience, self-control, and some other things, right? But he says faith. If you don't have patience, go back and start at faith. Because what's slipping when you don't have patience? Your faith your faith. And that's so important. And that's what he's saying. Be patient to all men. Is it easy to be patient with your family? Hmm, not really. Uh, sometimes you argue the most with people that you love. Is it easy to be patient with a policeman that's pulled you over? Yes. Why? <laughs> Might be a difference between a ticket, no ticket. Okay. You know, I have, my first name is Jay, J-A-Y, and I have been pulled over a few times, I will admit it. And when he calls me by my first name, what do I say? Yes, sir. <laughs> my parents did that to me, made me call me by my middle name, right? But I'm like, yes. You know, and when that teacher in elementary school, they would call my name for the first month. And I would try to correct her. I'm here, but it's Todd. You know, uh, at some point in time, I got a little impatient, didn't I? Uh, and what was she doing? She was looking at the paper. It says, that's your name. I'm like, yes, but, but being patient. How patient was Jesus with his followers? Something we can't even, we try, we can't even fathom what, what that was like. There was times his human side was tired. There was times his, his God, spiritual side said, I got to go pray. I need to go to the Father and get some help. Uh, with this. Uh, when he fed the 5,000, remember, he was praying and he saw and had compassion. He went down and said to the disciples, hey, we need to feed these people. What were the disciples' response? We don't have the money. We don't have the food. We've been through all the markets, all the Walmarts we've already done. Let's send them home. Jesus could have said, you know, that's a good idea. Let's go ahead and do that. But he was patient. And he, and he went through it. We know how patient Jesus was on those things. And Paul's telling that to this. When us from different walks of life get together, we're going to have tribulations and some struggles and some difference. He's saying be impatient. But don't only be patient with the people in this room or online. 
be patient with your mankind. And was Jesus patient with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the, and the ones that wanted to uh, throw them under the bus? There wasn't a bus back then, but you get my point. He was patient. How many of us would have, if you read the book of John, he was always back in with the Pharisees all the time. How many of us would have done that? Gone to the White House and said, hey, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. Or go to Congress. If they told us no the first time we would have, and it made our argument, we would have said, okay, Jesus was back all the time. And he was definitely uh, patient because he knew his ultimate goal. Uh, and so uh, render no evil for evil. We know that. Uh, and then rest, uh, basically pursue what is good. Uh, and that's what Paul is talking about in this, these few verses. Uh, let's keep going. Uh, in the next few verses, uh, this is one of the verses that if, if someone wanted to do, uh, what's your favorite verse as a kid? What, what, what was a couple of the verses you would say is your favorite as a kid when you were a kid? Jesus wept. I used to rejoice always. I always used to do this one because I didn't have to memorize, right? It's two words, you know, and there's some other ones in there real quick that you can uh, go through. This is one of the, uh, the shortest verses uh, there, but rejoice always is powerful. It's powerful. All of us have aches, pains, challenges at work, challenges in family, challenges in life. Do we always rejoice? No, and we don't, and um, we know that we're promised one day that we will rejoice always, but if we strive and have the aspiration to rejoice always, what's our byproduct? If we're always striving to rejoice always, what, what, what's, what's the byproduct? We'll get, it, we'll get it right how many percent of the day? You know, do what, Gene? Not many, but at least we have a what? A goal. We have something to strive to. Rejoice always. When you're about ready to go into that discussion that you don't, okay, rejoice always. And Jesus did everything he did to rejoice or to glorify who? The Father, God. Wow. That's amazing when you think about that. Because when he wanted to go talk to, you know, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, uh, you know, go sit with the sinners and things to eat. He was doing it to glorify God, but he was rejoicing. Not all of us would do that. And so Paul is trying to tell the, the, the Christians in Thessalonica, rejoice always. It's as, as clear as that. He's telling us today, rejoice always. And it's difficult. There's some mornings I get up and I'm not very rejoiceful. Sometimes we say we got up on the wrong side of the bed. And what we're saying is I just woke up in a bad mood. And so I've got to turn on my goal. I've got to turn that rejoice always on. There's times that my wife will say, are we rejoicing? And she'll say other different ways. But what she's telling me is stop and look in the mirror, Ty, for a minute. Oh, uh, you're kind of right. I had put me in the way, and I was like, anybody comes through, I'm going to run them over. No, I need to rejoice always, because if we do that, then the devil says, wait a minute, people will look at you and say, you're a Christian, and you're acting like this? And so that's what he's trying to do is, is strive to it. Did Paul rejoice always? We don't know his everyday life, but I know he strived to it. 
He had some pains. He had some aches. He went through things that I haven't gone through. We know when he was in jail after he'd been beaten and stuff, what was he doing at midnight? Rejoicing. Wow. I'm not sure I would be there. And, uh, and that's what he's saying. And how do you do that? You pray without ceasing. You pray. How do you rejoice always? He follows up with pray without ceasing. Now, do I have to walk around with my eyes closed all day? No. What's Paul saying when he says pray without ceasing? How many blessings do you have? We sing the song, right? Count my many blessings. I mean, we just can't count them. Jesus said that your cup will overflow with blessings. So as you go through the day, stop and you're, you're praying. Just a real quick prayer. Thank you for this blessing. Like tonight, coming there. Thank you for the blessing I didn't get killed on the way here. You know, pray without ceasing. There's little prayers. When you get the health updates, you get the bulletin, you get different things that says someone needs a prayer. A quick little prayer. It's off. You know, that's pray without ceasing. Paul is basically saying to rejoice always. You got to put your faith where? In God. Be like Jesus. Did Jesus take personal time off? Did he go to God and say, okay, I need to take two weeks off, please. I need to, I need to go relax and things. He did relax. Don't get me wrong. He did go and he had wonderful evenings with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, you know, but did he ever take a day off? As far as I know, he didn't. Uh, his goal was to do what he did, and he showed us that he prayed without ceasing. When you're glorifying God in everything you do, what are you telling God? He's number one. He's important. You're, you're, you're praying uh, in your actions also. So uh, Paul is talking through that, and then along with that, is give thanks in everything. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Jesus Christ for you, or Christ Jesus. There's only four times in the Bible that it says this is the will of God. Do you think you would want to follow those four things? If it says this is the will of God, this is one of them right here. The will of God, for this is the will of God. Uh, in Christ Jesus for you. Put those on your wall, you know. Uh, the other two is stay away from sexual immorality. And, you know, it's, it, but this one is, is very important. Give thanks in everything. Do you own anything? We think we own something, but whose is it really? It's God's. Can you take it with you? No. We know there's country songs that talk about that and different things, but you can't take it with you. You were born with nothing, and you'll take it. My father would sometimes threaten me. You came in this world with nothing, I'm going to send you out with nothing. And that meant to me, uh-oh, I need to rejoice always and not be the other side of the equation. But, you know, God, he owns it, and we need to give thanks in everything. Even when we're in persecution, what should we be doing? Giving thanks. Because why? Someone saw me or you standing up for Christ Jesus and persecuted. Remember when Peter and John got thrown into jail? They came out and said, and, and the, 
The ruler said, don't you go and talk about Jesus anymore. What did Peter say? Jesus told us that this was going to be life, and I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to give thanks that now we're going through that. Uh, and that's what he's talking about. Paul's talking uh, exactly about that. So we've done the duties uh, for those who serve. We've done uh, our duty for those that are in need, and then our duty to ourselves. And it's so important to do our duty to ourselves. Uh, and that's what Paul's talking through here. Because you've got to take care of your mental health, your spiritual health, and your physical health. Who else is going to take care of those for you? There might be some in the physical, right? And then you can study with your spouse or your family on some spiritual health and some mental health. But in the end, who's really got control of that? You do. And that's so important. And you, can only con uh, you can't control about 98% of the things that go on in your life. But how many of, that, how many of us try to control 98% of the things we can't control? We do. You can control your attitude, and you can control almost basically what you eat. You know, and after that, now there's some that can't, but, but your attitude is what you can control. And it's how you get back up and go, and that's what we're, we got to take care of ourselves. If not, the devil is waiting to twist it, turn us, and cause us to go against walking in the light. And that's why Paul has been writing these uh, words. The next one uh, that he's talking in, in these uh, next verses is do not, and this is verse 19, do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. I've classified this as our duty to the truth, to the truth, because he says do not quench the spirit. What does the word quench mean put out or I'm quench for my thirst you're wanting to put out that thirst quench your thirst that's one of the slogans you know Gatorade quench your thirst put out your thirst do not quench the spirit don't put it out don't put it out and the word spirit, I don't know if you know, but uh, the, and correct me, Gene, if I'm wrong, or any other scholars here, the Hebrew word and the Greek word is spirit or the, is your throat. You, you go into your throat, what? Your air, your water, your food, your being is, uh, and the word is, is that, is a throat, the spirit. Because if you, and how quickly can we kill someone? We can cut that off quick by choking them, right? I'm not saying go do that, right? But quench that spirit is, uh, that, that was the inner being of that. That's where you're, you get your stuff. And so the Bible, if you take that and you quench it and get rid of it and you don't put it into your mind and into yourself, then you are now not doing your duty to the truth. Yeah, 
And um, I wasn't a great father. You know, I had my things. I probably quenched the spirit of my children at times. I was probably quenched my spirit at times by my parents for, you know, whatever reasons. But yes, uh, Paul is saying, do not quench the spirit. Do not quench what's in this Bible. Do not quench it. And the reason is, is if you do, he says that the spirit and the flesh are at what? At war. And if you don't put yourself with the spirit and you're only in the flesh, where do you get to go? Nowhere. You're lost. It's always constantly at war. And the spirit wants to do good for God. The devil's telling you the flesh is more important. It's always at war. And if I say, well, forget the Bible, what do I have? Nothing. Nothing. And the devil tried to do that to Jesus, didn't he? Three temptations. He tried to, the flesh will win over the spirit. And then Jesus was tempted every day in every way that we have today. Does it on Wednesday nights. Wednesday nights was always tough when I worked downtown and tried to get here. It was like, oh, I'm wore out. But by the time I left at eight something, I was refreshed. But yeah, that flesh was trying to pound me. And so he says, don't quench the spirit. And that's basically what he's saying. If you try to get rid of the Bible, you have nothing. And Lord, help the people that don't have Christ in their lives, don't have a church family. I don't know how they get along. And that's what's so important. Uh, and it says, do not despise uh, the prophecies. Uh, and so the prophecies is basically the prophets. And you remember, Jesus even said to the Jews, you killed the prophets. You killed everybody who was talking about this. And he's doing the same thing. Paul's saying, don't kill the Old Testament. There's people in this world that says, we don't need the Old Testament. We just need to go by the New Testament. Well, if you don't have the Old Testament, you don't understand the New Testament. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. It's just, you know, because everything is pointing towards Jesus. And so that's what he's saying here. And do not despise them, but test everything examine everything and if you're examining the word of god you'll know when something's right you'll know that someone says something that's not right because you have not got it on your phone or your your, your bible but you have in your heart that doesn't make sense or if something doesn't make sense go back and read that scripture how many read scriptures and you're like that scripture's never been there it's always been there, but it pops off the page because you're now opened your heart and said, let me go find that. And you're like, oh, it's always been there. Why didn't someone tell me that? Well, why didn't you read it, Todd? And that's what he's saying is challenge, examine. Uh, and when you go to the doctor, they're examining your what? Your vital signs. They're examining your conditions. They're examining things. They're testing it against what? Your, what your normal life was. They're, they're looking and saying, what has changed? What has changed differently? Uh, so that's an exam. We don't like it. I took my mom to the uh, doctor yesterday, and guess what happened to her blood pressure when you go in? It's called the white coat syndrome. It just goes up because she wasn't going to poke with needles or anything. Same thing. I go to the same doctor. I go in, and the doctor says, well, let's take your blood pressure again. It's always going into the doctor because they're going to tell you something, whatever, and you get that little anxiety. Uh, the point is, if you do have that anxiety spiritually, go to the Scriptures. Go to the Scriptures and don't quench it. 
Uh, the next uh, thing that we've got here is uh, basically the truth does not, you know, it, it basically it lives. It says, uh, hold fast to what is good always and abstain from everything that is evil. And with the proper attitude and with the right actions, you'll live your life with duty to the truth. And the truth will set you free, right? That's easy to say, but what's it freeing you from? Everything we just talked about a minute ago is not being uh, good to the, your neighbor, not being good to yourself, not uh, upholding those that are in need, upholding those that are serving from you. And then finally, it says abstain from what uh, defines as evil. The truth declares that there is evil. We know that. Satan, right? We know there's evil. And it says, demands that we abstain from evil. And we, a minute ago, said that we were selfish. We were selfish. That's when we let evil come in. Well, that's not evil. I just told a little lie so that I didn't have to really explain everything. What did I just do? I selfishly said, God, you're not important. And I'm important. I've just handled that situation. We call it a white lie. Oh, that didn't really mean anything. We justify things. And we have to be very careful uh, with that and glorify. But abstain from every form of evil is what it says. And the devil has diluted what evil is in the world that we live in today. Even the Bible said that people one day will say everything that is good is what? Is evil and everything evil is good. Does that sound like... 2023, wow, does it. I don't watch the news. I haven't watched it for years. But boy, the news can really cause you to start what? Yeah, hallucinating. <laughs> Deluded. The news will start twisting your thoughts and saying, what? and then we find out there's fake news. But, oh, if you're good, you're really weak. If you're a Christian, you're weak. And, you know, that's persecution. Uh, and we're being persecuted. You might not personally be persecuted right now, but as Christians, we're being persecuted here in America. And it's because of what we're trying to stand for and duty to the truth. Well, y'all are, you know, hypocrites. Y'all really, yeah, and you're right. I, I, I sin, but I'm doing something, you know, about it. Or y'all are so, you know, you know, you know all the different things. It's abstain from all evil. And the devil wants you to do just enough. What did he try to do to Job? Oh. Get over it, right? How many of us would have the resolve of Job? Ooh. When everything around you is gone, everything, and, and, and God said you can't touch him. He did everything in the world except touch him, and he tried to get Job to curse God. What's the devil trying to get us to do? Same thing right now in December 2023. Paul saw this, and he saw the Thessalonica Christians doing the same thing. He's, he's giving them that encouragement and that lift. To, to Our duty is to the truth. Um, and let's keep going. And he goes on to say at the end, so Paul uh, closes this, and then this will be the lesson for the night. Uh, he closes it with a prayer and basically some encouragement okay he's closing this letter 
How many like a letter that closes with a, hey, I'm praying for you. I hope you're doing well. I hope things go well. Or I hope that things really get bad so that you'll come back to me and ask for help. We don't want a letter like that, do we? We want a letter that's something like this. So Paul has talked a lot about, uh, that John's been talking about over the last few uh, months, uh, about Paul's writing to the Thessalonians to see Jesus, to see Christ, to be like Christ, you know, walk in the light as he's finished this up and then show me, show me how to do it. And he's going to close it with a prayer. And Jesus was challenged with the same thing, wasn't he? What's the greatest command? We're to love God with what? Everything. Okay, I do that. But then what did Jesus add to it? Show me. Show me by loving your neighbor and doing good. That's a little harder, isn't it? I can go around, I can go around all day saying what? Yeah, I love God. I love, you know, I'm just like Jesus with everything in my heart. But what do my actions do? Which one? If I say it or I do it, which one speaks more volume? My actions do, don't they? My actions, now I can speak and do the action, but my actions will speak volumes without one word being said. And that's what Jesus was saying. Love God with everything. If you've got that as your goal, then show me. Love and do. And those are, are verbs. So, and then that's what Paul's been saying here in the last uh, few verses here. Uh, in chapter 5, now he's going to close it up with a prayer. And, and, and now he says in verse 23, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I put, under your, uh, put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Beautiful words, isn't it? We don't talk like that. We think it, but we don't talk it. And what he's saying is his prayer is that the God of peace, and you kind of hear the same thing that Jesus said, the God of peace sanctifies you completely with what? Your spirit, your soul, your body, and your mind, basically, is what he's saying. If you've got that, can we lose? We can't lose. If you've got that and you've got those things as your goal, you can't lose. And that's what Paul's. uh uh, saying that they be sanctified and, and be blameless. But he's also saying now, pray for me. Brothers, pray for us. When you're down and out, what do you ask for? Prayers. You ask for help. It takes a little bit to do that sometimes. I know some people in this room or online says, well, I don't want my name put in the bulletin for prayers. Okay, I get that. But wow, if prayer warriors are busy for you, if you get a lot of people praying for you, things happen. Things happen. And, and many of you have, have seen the, the prayers. Uh, why not? Did it cost you anything? Didn't cost you a thing. Just ask for prayers. These folks in here will pray for anybody. And that's what's so wonderful. And that's what he's saying here is pray. Was that what bell was that? Second, I get one more. Okay. 
Okay, great. Uh, and then he goes on to uh, say, love the brethren and read those scriptures. Make sure that you're always in the scriptures. And greet each other with a holy kiss. So afterwards, I'm hoping that y'all come up and give me a holy kiss. You know, we don't do that. That's kind of awkward, isn't it? Don't get in my personal space. We're good at this, aren't we? We're kind of good at a hug, but if we really like somebody, we'll what? We'll hug, but don't give me this kiss. I've been to Italy. I've been to Portugal. I've been to a couple places. Brazil. I've been to many, many places where my personal space was invaded. And you're like, whoa, what is that? Uh, but, you know, that's what he's finishing up here is I put you under oath, and that's a big word in 27, before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. So Paul is basically saying, make sure everybody hears this so everybody's on the same page to help do what? The last verse, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Those words were just read tonight, December 2023, because Paul wanted to make sure we heard them. The Spirit, of course, helped uh, inspire him to write this, but God wanted us to walk away uh, to understand that we need to comfort and edify and encourage one another. So as you go into this next few days, next few weeks, pull out first Thessalonians 5.11. If things get going a little rough and say, uh-oh, wait a minute, I need to comfort and edify and encourage one another. And as elders, this time of year gets tough. We visit a lot of hospitals. We visit a lot of people because what happens in life around the holidays? People get depressed. People are, are you know, missing family members, different things. We just see it. Uh, at first, I didn't realize it, but I, now I understand it. It's this time of year when things, people get missing. And that's where we need to be comforted and encouraged. Uh, and our spiritual life gets challenged. Uh, on that. Um, and so as we go out, just make sure we do that for each other, not only for each other in this room or anybody at your home, but all mankind. And there's no laws against doing good, is there? And you know what your reward is. Let's go to God in prayer before we dismiss. Dear Heavenly Father, we're grateful for the time that we got to come tonight and learn more about your wonderful word that Paul has brought to us. Uh, to encourage the Christians in Thessalonica in that region at the time, uh, but also those that are here in Buford, those that are online from many other cities uh, and maybe other countries. And we just ask you to let us take it to heart uh, what Paul has been inspired to write to make sure that we are glorifying you in everything that we do. And when we do stumble, uh, we know that we can lean on each other and what our duty is to those that serve, the duty to those that are in need, uh, the duty to the truth, and the, uh, the duty to ourselves, and just ensuring that we follow and be exactly like your son Jesus. We know it's difficult at times, uh, and we ask you to, when we do fall, um, please forgive us of our sins, and thank you for that opportunity that we have that we can come to you because of your son taking on sin and becoming sin. Uh, for our behalf and what an amazing gift that is uh, and we just ask you to be with those that are sick especially uh, John Iverson uh, who was ill tonight not able to be here uh, please uh, comfort and uh, lift him up and, and make sure that his health is returned and 
we know many, many others and are sick, and those that are traveling also be with them. There's going to be many on the roads over the next two weeks, and uh, just be with them and keep them safe. Uh, and most of all, keep us safe from uh, evil. Keep us safe from Satan. We know your promises. We know your mercy and grace that you've shared with us, but we get in the way. And when we do, just forgive us. And thank you for protecting us. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.